Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And hi, everyone, and welcome to week 43. This is Rev Deb, of course, and uh, we'll be doing our overview, our keys to the text. And as always, let's start with just quieting our mind and opening up to the Holy Spirit, opening up to his wisdom and guidance that we may learn to integrate in our practice every day what Jesus' ideas are in this wonderful course. May it bring us peace always. So we are looking uh, this week at chapter 25, section 7 through chapter 26, section 3. So we're getting towards the end here of our study of the text. And reminder, as always, that be sure that you're taking the time to read this yourself too. Because some of the things that I may highlight it might not stand out to you as much and maybe other things that stand out for you remember this is a personal relationship that you're having with the material I'm just here to kind of point out some pointers and uh, to give you some a little bit more to think about so our first section then is section 7 in chapter 25 as I said page 531 and this section is called the rock of salvation so he talks uh, with us in this section, and as he starts off, he's talking about the idea that the Holy Spirit can commute each sentence that you laid upon yourself into a blessing. So that which we think have been sins, you know, that judgment that we made upon ourselves, we can turn that into a blessing instead. It doesn't have to be, oh, that sentence of guilty, uh, throw, us, uh, throw ourselves in the slammer, no. Uh, we have not sinned at all. We are innocent and we are safe uh, in God's love. We're safe in heaven. We, that's where we are already. But you see, we've wanted this uh, wish. We've had this wish for death. And that's what he's talking about here. How could it be that hell and heaven are the same? He asks us that question in paragraph two. And it's like, well, we can't have both. Only one is real, and that one that's real is heaven. His will would have us know that all we want is heaven. All we want is that love and that all that good stuff. <laughs> Sometimes it seems like it's this real pie-in-the-sky ideas, but it is something that's already internal. It's the ego that tells you that you can't have it, that you have to work at it when Basically, he tells us, why wait for heaven? Heaven is here. Heaven is now. 
So in paragraph 3, he says, let us go back to what we said before and think of it more carefully. It must be so that either God is mad, crazy, or this world is a place of madness. Well, what do you think Jesus is telling us here? He's telling us that this world is crazy. Nothing that the world has is true. It's all illusory. It makes no sense. It's never going to make any sense. No matter how many times we analyze it, try to figure it out, see if we can control it in some way, we're never going to understand it at all because it's an illusion. It's nothing. So one thought is true, and that's the thought of God. And all we have to do is offer that up, offer that oh, I'm letting go of my ideas. I'm going to surrender to your will, God. I'm going to let you show me the truth of who I am. And that is sanity. By giving up what, <laughs> what we've believed, our insanity, our judgments, our guilt, our grievances, all of that, we will see that we are co-creator with God. That's what we will see and that his thought uh, created us. And so... Sin does not exist, right? Because we're saying that. We're understanding our sanity. We're not going to focus on that. In paragraph 5, he tells us that the Holy Spirit has the power to change the whole foundation of the world you see to something else. A basis not insane on which a sane perception can be based. Another world that's perceived. Wow, and one that nothing is contradicted. That would lead the Son of God to sanity and joy. So if we allow the Holy Spirit to translate it for us, to show us behind what's behind all that we see, all that we think about in our mind, right, our self-concept, things like that, we will understand. We'll be sane, so to speak, and we certainly will have joy. So he says, test everything that you believe against this one requirement and understand that faith that meets this one demand is worthy of your faith, but nothing else. What is not love is sin. And either one perceives the other as insane and meaningless. Love is the basis for a world perceived as wholly mad to sinners who believe theirs is the way to sanity. There you go. What is not love is sin. So if I am hell-bent on the sin, on the guilt, on the judgment, well then I am not believing in God's world, what God has created, the oneness that I share with him. And then he goes on that, that our special function is the special form in which the fact that God is not insane appears most sensible and meaningful to you. How is it going to look for me? going to see that my insane beliefs are not insane beliefs through my special function. What it is that, that I'm to do, well, my function, we know, is to forgive. And the way that it occurs, well, that will vary, right? My forgiveness opportunities will not be the same as your forgiveness opportunities. So we can't be limited. Let's see, here in the world, we limit ourselves. Even by our language and, and what we say, our self-talk, we limit ourselves. But we don't want to limit ourselves anymore. We want to see the unlimited li unlimitedness 
I got that out finally, of who we really are. So he says that, well, you know, it would be just madness to just trust the salvation to the insane. Because we are not mad. God appointed someone to help us. To raise that saner world for us. And so to this one is given the choice, he says, one, capital O, okay, given the choice of form most suitable to him, one which will not attack the world he sees, but enter into it in quietness and show him he is mad. So whatever way that's going to occur to us, that will occur. Whatever way it will help us to understand in our daily life, whatever that form may be for us, that will help us to know, okay, I know I'm okay. I'm not really this body. I'm not attached to this world. But while I'm here, I'm going to see the truth and the innocence. I'm not going to focus on the sinfulness. So that's what we do. So we can't deny that. We want our sanity. We want to know who we really are. That's what this is all about, right? We've lost sight of who we are. We've forgotten who we are. And there's only one thing that's dependable, and that's God's love. That which he created, God's love, that's where sanity is. Insanity is believing that this world is going to give me something, is going to offer me something. And it will never offer me anything, no matter if I had all the riches in the world or not. <laughs> if I had all my ducks in a row, if I had everything that I ever wanted, all the cars, all the houses and, and education and relationships and, and all that, well, that's not going to do it for me. Right? That's insanity, thinking that something external to myself is what's going to make me whole. Right? So, Holy Spirit is showing us that hell and heaven are different. And hell is basically what we've made here. So, and then it just keeps going on talking about this idea of sin. Uh, you know, if sin is real, uh, you know, does it rule the world? Um, you know, if sin is real, then God is crazy. And it just really keeps going on and on repeating itself and then towards the end here it talks about that salvation is the rebirth of the idea that no one can lose for anyone to gain right I don't lose because I've given something away right or uh, I don't have to sacrifice in any way it's that whole idea of giving and receiving the sacrifice idea comes in everybody gains when we give everyone gains this is how sanity is restored, that we see that it's all one. There is no difference. If I give to you, it's not that I'm lacking and that you have more than me. We're all equal. We're all equal here. So he said, remember the temptation. This is the last paragraph. Remember all temptation is but this, a mad belief that God's insanity would make you sane and give you what you wanted. Right? Tiny mad idea. We got the specialness. We think we did. We didn't get it. We, that's what we wanted. But that's what keeps driving us is that we want that specialness. And then we feel guilty for it. And then we think God's going to punish us. 
for it as well. So that's the temptation. The temptation is to take us away from God, is to keep putting the blame on God. So salvation is his will because you share it. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to know that, A, there's nothing to be saved from because you're already whole and complete. Uh, but that, it takes us, sometimes it's a process for us because we can't understand that and grasp that all at once. That's why it's a process. So let's look at our next section. And that section is section eight, justice returned uh, to love. Justice returned to love at the bottom of uh, page 534 there. So he says, the Holy Spirit can use all that you give to him for your salvation, but he cannot use what you withhold. For he cannot take it from you without your willingness. For if he did, you would believe he rested from you against your will, and so you would not learn it is your will to be without it. So when, when, we, when we're going through something and we say, oh, just take this from me, he's not going to take it unless we're willing to say, okay, you know what, Holy Spirit, I want you to see this with me. I want you to show me the truth. It's not like, oh, just take it from me. Because if we're not willing to release it, then we're thinking, oh, I have no control. I'm a victim. He's trying to take something from me that I value so much. But the thing is, is it's a collaborative venture with Holy Spirit. It's like, Holy Spirit, I notice how I'm feeling. I don't like how I'm feeling. I'm seeing the situation. I'm seeing this brother with unforgiveness. Look on this with me. Look on this with me and show me what you see, which is the truth in the situation. So I have the willingness to see it differently. And that's what's so important. So with the principle, um, it says here is the only principle that salvation needs. He says, it's not necessary that your faith in it be strong, unswerving without attack. You need not a fixed allegiance, but remember, salvation is not needed by the saved. Okay? Well, if you already knew that you were saved, you wouldn't need salvation, right? You are not called upon to do what one divided still against himself would find impossible. Have little faith that wisdom could be found in such a state of mind. But be you thankful that only little faith is asked of you. You know, we don't have to do it ourselves. All we need is that little bit of faith, that little bit of willingness that he always talks about. You know, just trust. Just trust a little bit. There is justice and salvation. It's there. There can be a difference made in your mind. We don't know of justice because all we think of justice is as punishment. And that vengeance, God is going to have his vengeance against us. But that's not true. That's not justice. Justice is that we know what is correct. What Jesus means. What God has really created. We don't have to atone for our sins. The atonement is the releasing of the fear as to coming into the oneness knowing without a doubt 
Now, am I in that place all the time? No, of course not. It's a process. I'm, I'm still here. I still have the day-to-day -day things. It, it stirs up. And like Ken Wapnick says, it's our classroom. And this classroom is where we get an opportunity to learn, to learn what the truth is. So we still can have trouble understanding this because we're still in the frame of mind that we condemn, that we condemn, we condemn sinners, uh, you're going to be punished. And so it's hard for us to understand what Holy Spirit's justice is. And see, he judges us only as innocent because we think that vengeance and wrath is of God, you know, the fire and brimstone, he's going to get me because I separated from him lightning bolts and and the whole bit <laughs> but that's not what's going to happen the justice is telling you that you are innocent you've been afraid of love you're innocent come on this is what you want sin is not something of you the son of god sin is what we've done in our minds to ourselves believing that we are guilty but yet we cover over that guilt but love just asks us for what is true what is true not what not what the ego made what is true is that we could never sin that we are always innocent and God rejoices with us when we know this. When we ah, when we wake up to who we really are. Holy Spirit helps us to look then on ourselves. To see that spark, that spark of light, that spark of innocence, the spark of love. That's why a lot of times uh, when I lead uh, meditations, I, I use that symbol, the, the spark of light that's within us and allowing it to grow and expand until it covers this facade of the body, this self-concept that we have, and using the symbol of the light, right, truth that is casting out the darkness. And that's all this has been. The belief in sin is, is the belief in, in darkness, that we could do something so terrible and so wrong for God. And at the very end of this section, he says, you have the right to all the universe, to perfect peace, complete deliverance from all the effects of sin, to the life eternal, joyous and complete in every way as God appointed for his holy son. This is the only justice heaven knows. And all the Holy Spirit brings to earth. That's it. That's the crux of this section. That's it. You have the right to know peace, to know innocence, all deliverance from the judgments and the grievances that you've hold, the release of guilt, the atonement. Let love decide. Let love decide and never fear 
that you will deprive yourself. You are not deprived. You are whole and complete always. So let's look at our next section here. Our next section then is the justice of heaven. Section 9 on page 538. So we're still kind of talking about this idea of justice. We think that and then he says, well, what can it be but arrogance to think your little errors cannot be undone by heaven's justice? So when we think that, well, you know, I, I've done all these things in my past. They can't be undone. They're sins. They're terrible. They've made me a terrible person. How can God ever love me? And we have a lot of this self-talk. And it's arrogant to think that, well, you know, Jesus is telling us, well, listen, God, <laughs> this is what God's telling you. That's not what he sees. He doesn't see these little failures that you hang on to to define yourself. No, that's not it at all. You have to give that away. Give it as a gift to the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit will answer that because that problem that you have is separation. It keeps you further from God. But in truth, there is no separation. And the Holy Spirit helps you to see that, no, you are joined. And it's a process. And he's going to work with you as you go through it. Let him have the perception for you. Let a new perception come to me, one of the workbook lessons tells us. So Holy Spirit, let a new perception come to me about what I'm seeing with these problems or how I'm seeing myself today. As I count up all my mistakes from the past, let a new perception come to me. So we can't lose. Healing is for everyone. There's no order of difficulty in miracles. We've heard that before. A miracle is justice. We are wholly innocent. That shift is the gift to yourself from fear to love. You are not condemned. So stop condemning yourself. So mid-paragraph of paragraph 7, he says, to give a problem to the Holy Spirit to solve for you means that you want it solved. Okay, you want the problem solved. To keep it for yourself and to solve without his help is to decide it should remain unsettled, unresolved, and lasting in its power of injustice and attack. No one can be unjust to you unless you have decided first to be unjust. Remember, everything starts in our mind first. It's not what's happening externally. It's what's going on in our mind. We've made the choice. We've made the decision first. Then must problems arise to block your way. Peace be scattered by the winds of hate. So what the ego mind does is say it's out there. That's what's causing my disturbance of peace. That's the problem out there. Instead of realizing I've made a decision to see the problem to see the separation. I made the decision to see the separation. But I can have his help. Right? When I give it to him, it's because I want to know the wholeness. I want to know the connectivity that we have. I don't want to know the separation because when I'm trying to do it myself, to control it myself, it's because I want to continue to see separation. I want to have specialness in my problem, <laughs> my special problem. 
but we give the miracle instead. When we do that, it shows us that salvation is ours. So we give that. And we gain so much by doing that. Indeed we do. So now we move into chapter 26. And so our first section is section 1. There's no introduction to this one. So this is the sacrifice of oneness. And so he's telling us it is the symbol, the central theme that somebody must lose. That's the dynamics of attack. That someone has always got to lose. Right? You probably have learned this for yourself because you've been a member of this world. Right? He says that the body is itself a sacrifice. It's giving up of power in the name of sa saving just a little for yourself. And to see someone else as a body separate from you is the wish to see just a little part of that person. Right? If you, you're upset with somebody, right? You're looking at uh, their body. You're looking at their personality. You're not looking beyond that to the truth of what's there. And so he, he tells us that the world that we're seeing is based on a sacrifice of oneness. We don't want to see it. It's disunity. And that's what we see. We don't want to see that we're joined. We fence ourselves off. We, we preserve that. Self-preservation, right? Put up the walls. And when we focus on the bodies and the personalities, because remember the personality is tied into the body, then that's all we see. We're seeing a fence made out of bodies, right? And we have the fence of ourselves. And all it does is create further and further separation. But when we can let the Holy Spirit perceive it for us and realize that, wait a minute, I can see something different. I can see that spark of light in that person. I can see the truth in that person. I can be a witness to the wholeness of God's Son. We can't sacrifice what's real. So we have to realize and understand that every instant we can be reborn. Every instant. Even if you've chosen separation and judgment and grievances up to this point right now you can choose okay choose right now boom say two seconds later you choose separation again you can choose again you can always keep choosing again that's the beauty of this you're not damned and <laughs> you're not damned for all time because you keep making choices to be separated because you can always choose again Always choose again, choose again, choose again. Thank goodness for that, right? Thank goodness we have that opportunity. And God's justice is so gentle with us. He's telling us words. So our next section is section two, many forms, one uh, correction. Well, this is really interesting because he says, you know, well, it's not difficult to understand the reasons why you do not ask the Holy Spirit to solve all problems for you. Every problem is the same to the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we hold back on those problems. And we say, uh-uh, nope, nope, I can handle this one, Holy Spirit. Thank you very much. I can do it myself. But he says, every problem is the same to him because each one is solved in just the same respect and through the same approach. 
The aspects that need solving do not change. Whatever form the problem seems to take, a problem can appear in many forms, and it will do so while the problem lasts. And he offers us release in every problem that we have. And what are we coming to know? That there's only one problem, one solution. The one problem is the separation that we believe in, we've got our talons in, that we're so attached to. And we think that we have a bunch of different problems, but they're all the same to the Holy Spirit, every single one, regardless of the form. That problem is, and it's really not a problem, it's just a mistake. We're mistaken that we believe that there's lots of problems. And as I said before, the problem or the mistake is that we believe that we're separate, that we have different interests. And instead, we want to come to that shared interest, that we are united. So in paragraph five, he says, you who believe it's safe to give but some mistakes to be corrected while you keep the others to yourself. You know, just talked about that. Remember this, justice is total. There is no such thing as partial justice. If the Son of God is guilty, then is he condemned, and he deserves no mercy from the God of justice. But ask not God to punish him because you find him guilty and would have him die. God offers you the, offers you the means to see his innocence. It's only the innocent you're going to see. Each time you keep a problem for yourself to solve or judge that it is one that has no resolution, you have made it a great problem. Past the hope of healing. So you've built it up in your own mind that it can't be solved. You've made that decision that it can't be solved. But then, that's not how God works. It's not how God works at all. So that brother, that person, that situation, whatever it is that you think is separate from you, the miracle of justice from the Holy Spirit will show you, well, a truth that lies within. There's truth in everyone, going all the way back to people like Hitler and people who have done some really insane things in this world, there's still the spark of truth. And the more I want to keep separate, then that's where my mindset is always going to be. But no, Holy Spirit's going to show us that we are all together as one. We're one. So we allow him to show us. And as I said earlier, you know, we think we have these special problems. And that's a mistake. And we think that, oh, a special problem. Oh, I can never solve this special problem. There's, there's no cure. There's no remedy. But through the Holy Spirit, it can become a blessing for us. So at the end here, he says, God cannot be remembered until justice is loved instead of feared. Justice is loved instead of feared. His justice shows us, right, the union, shows us the oneness, shows us the innocence, shows us the love. So our job is to allow justice to be done on God's behalf. Not the justice we have cooked up in our own mind, but the justice of God. You're innocent. Your brother's innocent. You're not in hell.
open up the door and be free. So our last section is the borderland section three. And so as we take a look at this, uh, once again, the borderland. He says, complexity is not of God. How could it be when all he knows is one? He knows of one creation, one reality, one truth, and but one son. Nothing conflicts with the oneness. How then could there be complexity in him? Well, there can't be. The truth is simple. There is one. There's no opposite. There's no opposite side. We think that there's two emotions, if you remember in the introduction, right? Love and fear, but only one is real. Right? Only love is real. So as he goes on here, what is everything leaves room for nothing else. Right? There is only one. Yet, is this magnitude beyond the scope of this curriculum, nor is it necessary we dwell on anything that cannot be immediately grasped. It takes time. There is a borderland of thought that stands between this world and heaven. It is not a place, and when you reach it, it is apart from time. Here is the meeting place where thoughts are brought together, where conflicting values meet, and all illusions are laid down beside the truth, where they are judged to be untrue. This is in the borderland. It's just beyond the gate of heaven. Here is every thought made pure and wholly simple. Here is sin denied and everything that is received instead. And that's the journey's end. And he's referred to it as the real world. He says, but the, there's a contradiction here that the words imply a limited reality, a partial truth, a segment. This is because knowledge makes no attack upon perception. It's this idea of the real world and, and everything that's described about this borderland is still perception. It's just true perception. It's not knowledge. Knowledge is when you absolutely know. Without a doubt, you're certain. You're there. You're there in the oneness. You don't see separation. You don't you see yourself as separate. When we are in that awareness, total awareness. So nothing can be destroyed. So as we look uh, a little bit further here, uh, what is true to us must be brought to the last comparison and he will ever make, the last evaluation that will be possible, the final judgment upon this world. It is the judgment of the truth upon illusion of knowledge on perception. That's that last piece. It has no meaning. It does not exist. This is not your decision. It's a statement. Simple fact. But that's when we're right there. The switch is flipped. And so the salvation, he's saying, it, it stops short of heaven. Only perception needs salvation because until we have that absolute knowledge, we think we need to be saved. Right? There's still that belief that I need to be saved or, you know, it's like almost there. Like forgiveness is the same thing. We don't need forgiveness in heaven because we're in heaven. We have that knowledge of being in heaven. Salvation, the same thing. What do I need saved from if I already know the truth? If I'm already in heaven and I'm in the oneness, 
I don't need it anymore. Same thing with the Holy Spirit. I don't need the Holy Spirit then at that point because I'm already in it. I'm there, if that makes sense. Hopefully that does make sense to you. So as we come to the end here, so at the very end of this paragraph, uh, last paragraph, he says, is not this like your special function where the separation is undone by change of purpose in what once was specialness and now is union. All illusions are but one. It doesn't matter what the illusion is. It doesn't matter if it's a body. It doesn't matter if it's a building or a sunset, a thought of uh, specialness in your mind. It doesn't matter. It's all illusion. It doesn't matter if you see the light. If you see an actual light in your meditation, that's an illusion too. It's all illusion. Just all symbols upon symbols. And so here we are. How simple is the choice between two things as clearly unalike? And we'll come to that realization when we see, well, this is what I want. And this is what I don't want. Ah, I don't want hell. I want heaven. And then God himself, of course, takes that final step. So that's what we had for this week as we complete, uh, you know, we finished out chapter 25, started chapter 26. So in week 44, our, um, you know, as we're going along here, we will be in chapter 26, section 4 through chapter 26, section 9 next time. So thanks so much for joining with me and I wish you much peace. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.